number 120223, a reading of each of seven episodes. Episode 1, A Year with the Church Fathers. Rely on God to make your soul fit for Him. St. Augustine, Confessions 1.4. Episode 2, Through the Year with Thomas Merton. Ash Wednesday, The Sign of Jonas. Episode 3, Magnificat, February 2023, Volume 24, Number 12. Item number 1, a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 5, verses 17 through 37. Item number 2, Meditation of the Day. United in Love, United in Christ. Episode number 4, God's Little Instruction Book. Number 1, 2, and 3, by Honor Books. Golden Nugget, number 1, inspired from Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 22. Golden Nugget number 2, inspired from James chapter 3, verse 5. Golden Nugget number 3, inspired from James chapter 5, verse 13. Episode 5, Chesterson Day by Day, Tremendous Trifles. Episode number 6, The Boy with No Tongue. Episode number 7, Reflection and contemplation. Episode number one. Rely on God to make your soul fit for Him. If your home is a mess, how can you invite guests to come in? If your soul is a mess, how can you invite God to come in? But God, said St. Augustine, will clean up your soul and make it a fit dwelling place for Himself. The dwelling of my soul is cramped, expanded, God, so that you may enter it. It is in ruins. Restore it. Some things about it must offend your eyes. I confess it, and I know it. But who will cleanse it? Whom shall I call on but you? Cleanse me from my secret sins, Lord, and keep me from the sins of others. I believe, and that is why I speak. As you know, Lord, I, have I not confessed my sins to you, my God? Have you not put away the iniquity of my heart? I do not contend in judgment with you, for you are the truth. I do not want to deceive myself, or my iniquity will lie against itself. So I do not contend in judgment with you, for if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? Psalm chapter 130, verses 3. In God's presence, consider, do I keep God out because my soul is such a mess? Have I tried asking Him to come in and clean it up for me? Closing prayer. Sovereign Lord, send me your Spirit, the Comforter, to strengthen and fit me for your service. Episode number two, Ash Wednesday. Gray skies, it rained in the night. The lights all went out at ten to two. And we said matins in the office of the dead and louds and prime with many candles. 
The flu has not left me, and my head is full of glue, and I can't breathe. And yet Ash Wednesday is full of joy. In a minute we will sing known, and go barefoot to get ashes on our heads to remember, with great relief, that we are dust. The source of all sorrows is the illusion that of ourselves we are anything but dust. God is all our joy, and in him our dust can become splendor. The great sorrow of mankind is turned to joy by the love of Christ, and the secret of happiness is no longer to see any sorrow except in the light of Christ's victory over sorrow. And then all sorrow contributes somehow to our happiness. Thus I sit here in the corner of the upstairs scriptatorium and look out the window at the bare trees in the preu in the gray guesthouse wall and at my own little happy corner of the sky, the sign of Jonas. Episode number three. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17, verses 37. Jesus said to his disciples, Do you think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, 
unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, Do not take a false oath, but make good the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one, the gospel of the Lord. Meditation of the day, united in love, united in Christ. What then does the couple seek in the sacrament of marriage? They come to Christ and inwardly say, You through whom we were created, who has made each of us lovable and given us the hearts to discover it, live in the midst of our love. Be the bond which unites us so that no human frailty may destroy it. Let this love, which is now so at home in the mystical depths of our beings, always increase. You who are love, make our love bond fruitful, a radiant source of new human beings and of more love in the world. We gladly invite you into our love because it is you alone who gave us being and blessed us by bringing us together. Through your loving care, let our destiny be the fulfillment of this love, so that when we come into eternity, it may be hand in hand to meet you face to face. Although the essence of the sacrament of marriage consists in the spoken vow, rather than in other elements of the ceremony, true lovers of Christ, real presence in the Eucharist, are happy to receive each other out of Christ's hands in the midst of the Mass. They are glad of the presence of the priest, the one of whose hands the mysteries of the other sacraments are dispensed, and whose presence they find a visible image of Christ's joy as he witnessed to their mutual self-donation. They joyfully accept this way in which the Church indicates the solemnity and irrevocability of a pledge so rich and beautiful at the moment, yet later so subject to human infidelity. Their presence in the church reminds them that it is in the constant return to Christ's presence in the sacraments that they will be able to live up to the promise of this sublime commitment, since all the sacraments work together to increase supernatural love in their souls. They will feel at the end of the ceremony, now we have become mystically one. The unity brought about by our human love has been taken up and perfected by returning to its ultimate roots, divine love itself, from which it must never be separated. Now we turn to one another in full joy, coming to the physical expression of the eternal oneness of our spirits. Episode number four. He who wants milk should not sit on the stool in the middle of the pasture expecting the crow to fly back up to him. 
inspired by Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, he becometh poor that dealeth with the slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. The best bridge between hope and despair is often a good night's sleep, inspired by Psalm chapter 127, verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. It is good to remember that the tea kettle, although up to its neck in hot water, continues to sing. Inspired by 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18, Rejoice evermore, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Episode number 5. The British Empire may annex what it likes. It will never annex England. It has not even discovered the island, let alone conquered it. Tremendous trifles. Episode number 6. The Boy with No Tongue. The Boy with No Tongue speaks the most eloquent of words. He's polite, kind, and never talks back. He's the social victim, the outcast, the martyr, a saint, a friend, and a lover. The boy with no tongue struggles to make it in life. Unappreciated, unloved, without a friend in the world. He loves, but is not loved. He trusts, but is not trusted. He cares, but is not cared for. His parents label him a burden, his friends a charity. Everyone looks down on him in sympathy, as if he has nothing to give, but is someone to give to. He is the best of listeners. He never interrupts you to say what he has to say. The boy with no tongue knows what it is like to die. Every night he cries himself to sleep, wondering why. The boy with no tongue doesn't realize his gift. He is a true hero, one of strength hidden in weakness. Episode number seven, Reflection and Contemplation. St. John Chrysostom cites the following example from the life of St. Miletes, which demonstrates the immense nobility of this great hierarch. It would be unjust to omit that which occurred during the banishment of Miletes from Antioch. When the governor sat down in the the coach and seated the saint beside him, he began to drive with great speed through the square. From all sides the citizens hurled stones, then fell like hail on the head of the governor, for they could not be parted from their hierarchy easily and were prepared to part with life rather than part with this saint. But what did this blessed man do? Seeing the stones flying, he covered the head of the governor with his cloak. Thus he shamed his adversaries by his tremendous meekness, and he taught a lesson to his followers as to what kind of forgiveness we ought to show together those who offend us. He showed them that it is not enough to refrain from doing them evil, but that rather with all power we must remove any danger that threatens them. Concerning the external appearance of Miletus, Chrysostom further says, In truth, 
it was the greatest delight to see his holy face. Not only when he caught or preached or taught or preached, but when men simply looked at him and instilled every virtue into the souls of those who behold him. Contemplation. Contemplate the Lord Jesus as an aesthetic. 1. How he fasted, not to subdue his all-pure body, but in order to give us an example. Item number 2. How he fasted for my sake. Item number 3. How I need to fast for the sake of my salvation and for the sake of his love.